What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And when I say that they're open to learning, they don't have to learn from me. Right. I mean, my most successful company generally... I'll have conversation here and there. I'll give them 10 things to do. They may do one or two, but then they talk to three other people and they come up with what works best for them, mm. you know, and they move and they execute on it. Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. I'm Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, and we are back with another truly amazing, amazing, and I got to say another amazing for this episode, y'all. I'm in the building with the man himself, the myth, the miracle, Mr. Damon John. What's up, Damon? What's happening? I don't know about a miracle, but I appreciate (laughs) appreciate the warm, very warm welcome. Thank you, man. Man, man. Okay, well, you've made some miracles happen. How about that? (laughs) <laughs> How about that? I would say you've made some miracles happen coming from where you've come from yeah. and achieving the success that success have you've achieved. Well, thank you. So man. that's where the miracle it. comes from. Um, listen, y'all, today is going to be more about more, more hustle than trucking. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm joined by a, a brother who has, like I said, done some amazing things in his business career. And we're just going to really just kind of dive into that. And I just want to talk about the grind today, man. Uh-huh. Um, rise and grind, right? That's right. Rise and grind. Right. So this this show actually comes out at 3 a.m. in the morning. It comes out at 3 a.m. 3, 3 a.m. in the morning. Why so, is that? Well, it's for truckers, right? right? So truckers are usually on the road at 3 a.m. So we positioned it so it could be the only show that they can pay attention to and listen to and get their motivation in the morning. So 3 a.m., Truck and Hustle is on for everybody to listen Got to. It. Okay. So so this is that rise and grind, man. So so you you need no introduction. You know what I mean? Uh yeah, your story is well documented. So I'm gonna kind of skip through all of that. Thank um, you. But I want to definitely welcome you to the show and thank you so much for joining me today. No, man. It's fun. It's an honor, man. Thank I'm, you so I'm much. To, I'm here to hopefully share whatever wisdom I can share and and uh as well as take some wisdom and and uh, learn some stuff. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Let's do it. So this is what I want to do. I, I want to I want to take it back to 1992. 1992 is a year when, if and correct me if I'm wrong, when when Fubu right was was created right, and 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 you guys you when it was and, formalized formalized right yeah. formalized. So you you and your guys you and your team y'all got together and and created something that. I think is extremely monumental for several reasons. Not only was it a a, a, a brand, a clothing brand, but it was a movement, mm-hmm. right? It was for us, especially around that time. I'm, you know, I'm born in the 80s, 81. So for me, I had never seen anything like that. And mm-hmm. when you made that statement for us, by us, that was different, right? right. That had never been done before. So I want to, I want to go back to that time in your life really fast and just Tell me what was going on for you, 1992, New York City, Hollis, Queens. What did it feel like? What did it smell like? Just, 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 just paint that picture for me. Uh, so to backtrack for one second is just that I had created it in eighty in eighty nine, um, and I sold a couple of hats, and I closed it down three times from eighty nine to ninety two, and I and I'm saying that because we're talking to a bunch of people who are hustlers and a bunch of people who will fail. You know what I mean? But the, the, the failure will be part of the process. And in 89, all the way in 92, I closed it down, but I ran out of just limited amount of cash. Not a lot. You know, I, I ran out of uh, $500, 1000 2000 I was able to reset, you know. Um, but what was happening in 92? Well, hip hop was starting to really take hold and form. And hip hop, I, I would call it, it was a disruptive technology at that time. It was kind of our version of Twitter and Instagram. Because we didn't know what was going on in the streets of Compton. You didn't see that on the 6 o'clock news. You didn't know about police violence. We knew internally inner city kids of all colors. Right. right? You, we knew what was going on, but America didn't know what was going on. And just like we look at 2020, the same exact things will happen in 92. 
the chokehold was being in place. We all witnessed Rodney King, you know, um, being brutally beat and cops being exonerated for it. William Barr was in the White House. You know, people were all of all colors were burning down their communities against this atrocity of feeling like they had no place to go. And I remember saying to myself, well, I can go out there and take sticks and stones and bottles and start burning down my own community or other people's communities. I can start feeling hopeless and just robbing people because a lot of my friends, people don't know. I grew up with uh, me, Irv Gotti and Hype Williams grew up together and and, uh, we were all like 13, 14 years old. And our friend Alfred ended up being the one that Hype wrote the movie Belly about. So I grew up around a lot of really well-known drug dealers, Supreme, Callie, Fat Cat, and all of them. And I knew that I wasn't built to be no drug dealer. <laughs> First of all, I wasn't going to hurt nobody, and I was way too cute to go to jail. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that, that wasn't going to work out the way that I planned it. Yeah. I also wasn't going to go on the street. So I, I figured at that point, the only way I'm ever going to be able to change the perception or, 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 or give myself power, my community power, is through economics and pride and that's when i brought my three other friends around and we said we're going to make a role we're going to make a play at this football thing and we are not going to stop because nobody cares about us in the community and a lot of people think the football was created for people of color and it wasn't it was created from an art music a musical art form that came from the bronx primarily from men of color but the way that other people were treating our culture and our color, I didn't want, I, I was always told never become the thing you're fighting against. I created it because of hip hop and I wanted people who loved him, who, whatever color you were, to embrace it. I felt that would bring us all together. So I dressed the Beastie Boys, I dressed MC Search, I dressed Eminem, but I dressed all the African American, I, I dressed the Barrio Boys. It was all about if you was cool. Right. And so, and so, so that was what was going on. It was a, it was a frustration, an anger, a pain that people didn't respect or love us and we had no way to uh, express that one and get back at them. Uh, but now all of a sudden creating a movement off of the backs of something I loved, hip hop. Yeah. And that's that's what happened. What made you choose fashion as the outlet? Who was inspiring you at that time? Who were you mirroring? You know, you know, you know, great question. I chose fashion because I always say today, anything that you can consume is the same thing you can sell. Um, and I was always a consumer of, of, of fashion. And if you go back 10 years earlier, when I was around 10 years old or whatever the case was, I would stay home at night. And that time, I don't want to show my age, but the reality is <laughs> that hip hop was not played on regular radio. Right. It was played on radio. And the only time it was played on radio was a guy named Mr. Magic had a show that came on around 11 o'clock or midnight on Fridays and Saturday nights. I was 10 or 11 years old. I couldn't go out at that time, but we'd wait the entire week so we can hear Roxanne Shante or, or any of the new one, new songs come out right around 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And what would I do during that time? I was putting permanent creases in my pants. I was re-dyeing my Pumas or re-dyeing my Timberland because I didn't have enough money to buy new Timberland. So I wanted the girls to think I got a new pair of Timberland every month. <laughs> so I re-dyed them. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And um I loved fashion. That's what I was. And I was, I was somewhat of a break dancer and stuff like that. So I had to alter my clothes to be able to, you know, use them at that. So uh, you, you fast forward 10 years later, I love hip hop and I love fashion and I put them together. But the first real, real touch that I had of it to realize I could do it myself is I go into a store and I look at a hang tag and this young kid that looks like a little young Mike Tyson is sitting on a railroad track with some overalls and it was Carl Kanai. And I said, mm. damn, I can do this myself too. So Carl really is the one who gave me the inspiration. Yeah. Salute to Carl Kanai, man. Yeah. So, so you said earlier, as we all know, you got your three friends together. You guys did this project together, right? Yeah. And at that time, I'm, I'm going to assume that you weren't probably the most business savvy person, right. right? So how did you guys create that like operating agreement? Like, did you just say, we're just going to do this thing and figure it out later? Let's not worry about splitting 50% of nothing right now. Like, how did you guys structure the business at that time? Yeah, so that is one thing I really I realized that I had to always have is something written in paper for un, uh, an understanding. And it wasn't just three guys. We always, if you ever look at football products, there's a big old five on all of it. The reason why is we always wanted to be five guys. Mm. We figured that 
And my dream was that if all five of us like something, because if somebody looks at hip hop, people, you know, there are various different ways. You know, you can be the grunge looking style of hip hop. You can be the, you know, basically like the boroughs of New York. Right. You can be Brooklyn, really grungy looking. You can be uptown. That's Hollywood. You know what I mean? Fashion wise, you can be, you know, you can you can wear the the more Carhartt type of look. You know what I mean? The very army look. There's very different ways. Backpack look. And I figured that if we had five people that we would all from all those different aspects of dressing that we, we would whenever we like something, it was universally accepted. Got you. But the fifth ne- member never stuck around. So I didn't have a hard agreement with my partners. I, I had said, listen. You stay around three months, it activates more shares. You stay around one year, it activates more shares. And and that's how, and, and we were very clear on what your job is. Your job is to, whatever it is, right, go to the stores. Your job is to go to all the video sets. Your job is to stay home and manufacture. Your job is to do this and that. So we laid out the plan. Yeah. And there's about 10 of those fifth members that never stuck around. Ah, right. And okay. it was my other three guys that stuck around because- we started in ninety two. We didn't get we didn't get recognized really public recognition. We didn't make our first check until ninety eight. Mm. I started in eighty nine. Got you. And, and you know, they started in ninety two. So for nine years I didn't get I didn't get a dime. I, I always I always felt like like, you know, just in hindsight looking back, because you know, I was coming up during that time, like you were kinda like the face or like the front man of the brand and like the other yeah. guys kind of like stood back a little bit. Was that intentional? Or it, was my, it was, it was, it was my creation. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm the CEO and the president. Okay. So that, that's, that's mainly why it was my vision. Got you. And the other guys also, they like, you know, we all know that we can't all talk. Right. Right. And, um, and at that time when, when there wasn't social media and, the gatekeepers or the networks or interviews. Well, you can't see me today, somebody tomorrow, or somebody else. You'd be like, well, who, who owns this damn thing? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Right. So you, you needed a consistent message. Yeah. Yeah. So in the initial stages, when you guys were kind of getting up and running, uh, what were you doing for marketing? Like, how were you getting the word out? I, I, you, you guys did an awesome play with the LL thing, of course. Yeah. That really took things to the next level. But what was, how, how did you just be in the street? Like, what were you doing to market the brand? We were doing anything and everything. So, all right, guys, Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now, let's get back to the show. I first had money for 50 shirts, and I, I always tell the story that, you know, even till today, you know, people say and go out and go and get influencers. But what is what do you think? What is an influencer, right? An influencer can be one person who influences one or one person who influences 100 million. But when I had 50 shirts, enough for 50 shirts, I bought 55X and 6X shirts. I didn't buy... Um, you know, larges and give them to all the cool kids or the rappers because initially what would happen, you would give them to the rappers or the cool kids, they wear it once or twice, give it to a cousin, toss it away, whatever the case is. But when I had those 5X and 6Xs, I realized that the big guys in the neighborhood, they really didn't have any place to go to get fashionable goods. They went to Rochester Big and Tall. They got a big shirt that was black or a big shirt that was white or they had to pay a lot of money for custom goods. Now I go and give them this piece that is somewhat fashionable. They've seen it in one or two videos. Right. But they're the only ones that have it when everybody's looking for it. Those guys, those big guys wore it eight, nine, ten times a month mm. instead of one time. And where were those big guys situated? They were in front of the red ropes at clubs. They were in front of the camera when it came to being bodyguards. They were in front of the music artists. And after a while, most of the music artists saying, started saying to those big guys, hey, yo, man, Yo, hook me up with a little man. Give me, give me a shirt. And they were like, nah, 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 because you too fly. You won't throw it away. Give it to your man. I'm not hooking you up with him unless you make sure you rock this. Right. And that was my version of getting influencers. And those uh, big guys, even till today, Poop has been known forever for making, obviously, bigger clothes for uh, for that size market and addressing them. And when you make a community, just like I felt neglected as a community, they felt neglected within that same community. Mm. Right. So 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 that's how I started getting out there. And then of course we start going and putting in videos and 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 using that and spray painting 
you know, these these storm gates they'll pull down in front of stores with the with the with the permission of the store. Right. Put spray painting authorized FUBU dealer on all these stores and you know, I, I just I just reflect on on all those times. It was just a lot of a lot of hustle, a lot of grind. How how long did it take you to get from buying you know fifty sixty shirts at a time to now you're you're buying in bulk and 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 you you go into stores and you're distributing? Like how long was that process before you realized that? Well, you know, um, we went through bulks of shirts. You know, we would have we buy a couple. You know, um, we do well with it. Go to a flea market, do well with it, but then all of a sudden. Go to another one, not do well. Okay. So it, it was it was ups and downs, peaks and valleys. Because okay. what happens is, as you start, and as you you may see us on Shark Tank, we go, "You have any sales?" What we're trying to ask you is, if you have proof of concept, who's who's buying it, and why they're buying it, right? And uh, and when you're a designer, you and your initial thoughts are, "Well, I want everybody wants to have all these different colors and styles, and I got to act like I'm a full clothing line." When sixty five percent of the sales are black. The other, the other 25% are white, and then you have a mixture. So when I went, first bought a bulk of shirt, bunch of shirts, well, I had 10 colors. Right. Now I sell a bunch, but I have all, I have nine, uh, I have seven colors left. Now I got to get rid of those, and that's why I start taking a loss, right? Now I come back, and now I got two colors. But I got 10 logos. Go through sales. You see the two logos that sell. Now I got to get rid of the rest. But now I come back after that. I got two colors and two logos, <laughs> and I got four sizes. You find out at that time everybody want to wear a double X. Right. I didn't care if you ninety five pounds. I just cut the double, <laughs> cut the cut the medium out of your small out of there, put a double X in there. Yeah. So you start to home in on what works for you, and that's when you go through your peaks and valleys and starting to see what works, what doesn't. I'm sure it's the same with the podcast. For sure, you start to see topics that work, uh, times to put it out. Uh, you know, uh, questions to ask and yeah. people, you know, people to put in there. A hundred percent. What what would you say was the, the, your first big break when you knew that you had arrived? Like this brand was was starting to really come to fruition. And what your dream was, was what was here now. What what happened? What was that event that happened that lets you know that? Well, it's a series of events, but I, I, I don't know which one it would be. Ralph McDaniels from Video Music Box interviewing me. Um, LL wearing it in the Hey Lover video, um, uh, you know, Method Man wearing it in an ice cream video or uh, Brand Nubian or um, going to Vegas and writing $300,000 in orders. Mm. Uh, all of those were just amazing moments. And then, you know, it, it keeps going, right? First getting a deal to manufacture and distribute it. When I first got my deal, we were sending out, um, you know, we only had, we had old inventory, which were polar fleece, you know, sweatshirts. And we were sending it out and it hit the stores in June. Nobody's buying sweatshirts in June. How were sold all out. Mm. It was like, the stores were like, <laughs> we've crazy. never seen that before. Yeah. So a lot of stuff like that, you know. Got you. During this time, you're also maturing, you're transitioning as a businessman. I'm, I'm sure, right? You're learning a lot of new things. What What were some of the the major changes you had to make in your own, you know, personal life and and, and just, um, you know, mindset wise as you started to mature as a businessman from from when you first got started to you know you start seeing this growth. You know, um, there's a lot, and you know, I still live until today. Uh, change, but it depends. All right, there's there's the leadership aspect, there's the personal aspect, your family, and then there's the money aspect, and then there's the business aspect. Right? Yeah. So, you know, you start to grow from a personal aspect. You know, be careful what you ask for, right? Because all of a sudden you're all in, right? And you have to leave certain people behind that may not grow with you. Some you just can't take with you because you can't afford to. Because if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't take care of others. Then you have a family, right? How do I? How do I? How do I stay a good husband or a good dad? But I got to put in all these hours because I got a shot now at the lotto. You know what I mean? I can't let this go. Um, and so, how do you do that? Um, how do you stop? How do you stop cutting work off in your mind when you come home? And you don't want to be talking to your wife like she's an employee, right? <laughs> right. The reality is, but you, you've been doing it all day because you've been trying to get things done, right? Um, 
the money aspect. What do you do with the money? And actually, how do you secure your family to be safe? Because now people publicly know you're making money. Right. And it's even worse now on social media because a lot of people out there showing what they got and they don't even got it. That's you know? a fact. And then a lot of people, the bad boys and girls are at home taking inventory of what you got and sharpening their, their, their knives and getting their guns ready to come get you. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so you have to now think about the protection of your house and your family and everybody, your loved ones, your mother and all that. Then, you know, you got to you got to think about the business. How am I going to expand this business? I got I got people now who who depend on me and their job is not to do the best at my business. Their job, they're there to maybe feed their families for whatever reason. And how do I motivate them? Right. Um, then finance. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know how money works. Um, and am I smart enough to go and find the right people to help me, or will I get robbed? <laughs> right, right, right. So a lot of those things are going on, and then how to move in different rooms. You know, listen, I'm coming in. I got baggy jeans on. I'm the fool guy. I'm coming into an old industry where it's primarily a different color, different people, age, and they don't respect you. So. You know, and you're not supposed to go in there and beg for respect, but how do you simultaneously make actions and moves so they they don't have to agree, but they do respect you? You know what I mean? So yeah. there's a lot of things that are moving at the same time. Did you did you make that transition consciously? Like maybe the jeans got a little bit tighter, the the, the shirts weren't as baggy. Now we're throwing on the suit. Like did you did you say to yourself, you know what, it's time to take it to another level as a businessman and leave some of that stuff behind, or did it happen organically? No, it happened with growth. Okay. You know, so now I was, I was my own brand, right? And I was on I was on brand. At that time, everybody was walking in with jeans, baggy <laughs> jeans on. You True. Know I mean, the music industry was pop. You got you got Bad Boy over here. You got Def Jam. You got a uh, uh, West Coast um, Death, Death Row. Row. You got Spike Lee making films, Five Magazine, Source Magazine. It was the way. It was it was okay. Right. And so and I'm wearing my own shit that I made. <laughs> right. It's right. Okay. Right. Um, you know, listen, you even look back then in the late nineties, I don't care if you're wearing a suit. I mean, you know, Steve Harvey's suit is a jacket came down to his shoes. You know what I mean? It was just the way the look. That's a fact. But as I, as I grew and, and got into more rooms, I, I also got older and football also started making suits and various other things. So, um, I, I grew accordingly, I believe now could I have grown faster? Yeah. A hundred percent. Mm. Um, but could I have grown slower? Yeah. No doubt. But I still no know doubt. dudes who still don't, you know, they don't know how to carry themselves in certain ways. <laughs> For sure. Who, who'd you look at as competition at that time? You know, I, I looked at nobody's competition. I looked at everybody's competition. So when we, were, when we were super hot, we didn't have any initial competition. But then, you know, um, and I had helped. I, I actually helped start uh sean john in a way i put the the main guy over sean john i distributed um uh fat farm in germany for russell and i put the main guy over it with russell to help with fat farm he had fat farm was out actually earlier than i was but he wasn't doing well and we recommended somebody who can help him um i advised dame dash on uh rock aware so i helped a lot of those guys um but they all became competition as well yeah. um, but tommy's competition Everybody's competition. I mean, competition is healthy. A lot of people, you know, think that it's it's not healthy. It, you know, it, it, it tests you. You know what I mean? It, it makes you stronger or it exposes your weaknesses. Did you ever feel pushback from, from that acronym, the for us, by us during that time? Was there pushback from anyone that made it difficult, any kind of friction as you were growing as a brand? Can you talk about that a little bit? You know, I didn't. I had some friction with the brand. Um, initially, those who were not of color uh, thought it was, and I could understand why, right? Yeah. They thought it was uh, uh, a line that was stating, you know, some form of bigotry. Uh, so we, there was a law that they tried to pass in, or a petition they tried to pass in Georgia that if you're going to ban the Confederate flag, you're going to ban FUBU. Um, I remember some buyers initially said, well, take the black guys, take the guys off the hang tag because it looks like a gang. And um, and we don't want people coming in like that who are going to have shootouts and shoplift. Um, 
I never saw anybody have a shootout over it. You know, you got you got that size double X I needed. Let me, I'm going to shoot you. Right. Um, and then on the flip side, there were a lot of people who were not African-American who support and love the brand and African-Americans came around and and had a problem with them. Not an African-American who didn't know the origin of the brand. You know what I mean? So they would say, well, how dare you wear that? You're white. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that. You know, so it's a gift and a curse. I mean, FUBU was a very powerful name that, you know, can invoke a very strong emotion to make you want to support that community. And it also can invoke uh, another emotion if you're not well educated on what it is. Yeah. If, if you were to if you had to start the brand again in, in this day and time, what would you do differently or would you do things the same? Like in terms of the way you market it, the way you put it out there, it would still be, you know, of course, there's a different form of marketing today yeah the brand would still be fubu but today because there's because it's not new to see a person of color creating brand or a person of hip-hop or a person you know whatever who is a music person creating a brand for this community i think fubu today because i think and again it's gonna is always gonna go back to where i am i think fubu today would more be about financial intelligence and creating new sharks mm. kind of like what you're doing right mm. It would probably be a brand where I would I would have one representative who's a male, one who's a female in every single school, every single high school and every single college, kind of like the Avon model. I would send them $500 worth of FUBU. That would be about $1,200 retail. Let them be the only person who sell it. You can't find it in the stores and they would be the only people who sell it. So they would empower themselves financially while they're getting an education in school. And if they hit certain criteria, we would then issue them out uh, um, digital uh, education, such as social media conversion, finance, marketing, you know, logistics and more things. And then when they when they time out of school, they bring in somebody else. That mm. probably would be the, the way I would do it now. So make it more like socially conscious in a, in a way. Socially conscious. Yeah. It creates an education. It creates money for the everyday trend-setting kid who is going to educate themselves from 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 a business standpoint. Also get you know an education on how to do business itself from a formal way and also create a community. And 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 Fubu recently partnered with Forever Twenty Run, right? Uh-huh. What, what what was that about? What was the reason for that? There's so many people want to touch our brand. So you know, <laughs> over the last three years, we did a collabo with um, Urban Outfitters with Puma on their 50th anniversary of the the Puma sneaker. Um, with Forever Twenty One, uh, with Mitchell and Ness. Um, it's just you know, it's just common stuff, collaborations, and you know, Forever Twenty One has a very strong brand with young. Ladies, and you know, a lot of these young, uh, young ladies, um, you know, touching the brand now were not even alive when I, I started it, right? So it, it has this way of coming back, and especially after everything that happened in the country recently, you know, all communities have said we need to empower ourselves. And FUBU just, it's become something much bigger than what I thought it would be because FUBU stands for whenever a community of whatever it is is empowering itself, they say that. That's FUBU. Yeah, yeah. What's what's FUBU valued at now? Do you, do, what's, do you know? Because I've Googled some things. I don't no, know. No, there's no valuation there's, because if you looked at it at EBITDA, it's no, you know, the, the valuation often, if you're looking at it from a hard financial trade, you can go off of EBITDA and various other things. But FUBU, which is an uh, intellectual property, is way more valuable than the actual money it's doing daily. So, if somebody would say, you know, somebody can somebody can right now come and say, I want FUBU for hotels. I want them to be the new version of Hard Rock. Right. I want you walk in and you see memorabilia from Biggie Smalls to Pop to Humpty Dance, whoever the case is, right? <laughs> yeah. And I want to pay X amount because I want to roll these out around the world, right? FUBU could be frozen soul food that's healthy, that that reduces, that does not you know, reduction on salt and various other things is still for us biased, but it's fried chicken and collard greens and pig feet and various <laughs> other things. So it all depends. The IP all depends on where somebody's going to take it. I mean, you look at uh, look at like the the Waldo Astoria. I think it was right. Was it Waldo Astoria? What was the, what was the one in, in coming to America? Waldo, yeah, yeah. Right. 
you know, some big firm buys it. And now you see Waldos all over the world. Facts. Right. But it was only really right there on Park Avenue, you know, for whatever, 100 years. Right. Yeah. So it all depends on what you do with the IP itself. So is that the vision, like the long term vision, like almost like a licensing model to where it's like there'll be different type of people? If it makes sense. If it makes sense. Yeah. If it makes sense. Yeah. Um, 100%. Um, so. You know, we're always open. We're always open to collaborating with people that we think are going to do the right thing with the brand. Yeah, got you. All right. So you, you you mature as a businessman. When you start transitioning out of fashion, what are the next things that you start looking into? What what begins to interest you? Well, first, I, I didn't even transition out of well, fashion. Not tra- at first, not, but- I, I started to grow the fashion. So I started to look as we're talking to people about hustling. I started to look at my assets and you know, a lot of times people think you need money, but my assets, when I turned around and it was, I said, food was starting to slow down a little bit. The reality is a hot, a fashion brand stays hot five to seven years, not the unicorns like Nike, Louis Vuitton. And it's not just a black clothing company. I mean, I got into the business, Levi's doing 18 billion. They're doing 4 billion now. Benetton, I don't even know if they're around anymore. You know, Alessia and a lot of these brands, right? So it's not just us, right? Uh, right. You think about it, a kid who's in, Kids was in high school, got four years of FUBU in the closet. They go to college. They may want to try another brand. They right, may want right, to look right. a little different, right? right Things correct. change, right? So I said, all right, FUBU so now. I got I to recognize it. So what's my asset? Well, it's not that I'm a great designer. Slapping a big old 5 and a big-ass FUBU <laughs> on something, you know, most, most people in the world can do that. Um, I know how to make clothes. I have a large Rolodex of contacts of people who buy at the stores, I, I know every celebrity in the world, so I know how to get it on to people and use their vehicle and let me go buy other clothing brands. So I go out and buy Kuji. I go buy Kappa. I go license Kappa from soccer brand. I, I go license um uh, like five other brands. I don't do well with most of those other brands, but I do well with food, with Kuji. So I basically ripped the FUBU off and put Kuji on and start pumping it through the same, <laughs> the same way. But again... It's an IP. Remember, people knew Kuji already from Biggie Smalls. From Biggie, yeah, they knew 100%. from a lot of other things. So they were they the door was already open for them to buy it. And they had a very particular sweater that everybody knew that I can only make with there's only two machines in the world that can make this sweater that nobody can make. Right. Mm. Um so now I got this what we call a lost leader. You put that in the store, it's eight hundred dollars. You don't make any money off of it, but then they go, well, what do I got to match with the sweater? And prior to that, Kuji only made sweaters for the golf community. They never made jeans. They never made T-shirts. They never. So now I can expand it, and that's what I did. Um, and, and that started me to invest in, in various other things because I had to sit there again and look at my assets. You know, you got to get your ego out of the way. There's an old Yiddish saying that says, what would the outcome be if your ego wasn't in the way? And... If my ego was, nah, I got to start this from scratch. I'm the I'm the best designer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> designer. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, that's old school Damon. Yo, I got the butters. You know, like, that's real old school Damon. Yeah. Um, no, nah, I said, no, nah, that's that's not it, man. Let me take out ego. Why do I have to always think of the newest thing? I was fortunate enough to think of something new. Let me invest in the younger, smarter minds that are thinking of the newest thing, the new Damons of the world. Right. So that's when I started to invest and say, why do I got to do all the? I want to make my life of working easier, not harder. And that's how I started becoming an investor. When when you when you grabbed Kuji, did you get it in distress or was it like was it kind of like on its way fading out at that time? No, or? It was it was in distress. It, it, was, it, it was bankrupt. It was bankrupt. OK. Yeah, the dude who owned it, my partner. So, you know, I, we have other partners and I have some really great partners um, uh, from the distribution side. They said to me, hey, man, we're thinking about buying other brands. And initially I was like, man, fuck that. Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nobody coming over here peeing. I'm peeing on my territory. Right, right, right. right. We got and food. We're like, good. Nah, ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, if you look at one of the most successful companies in the world, it's LVMH. And they own everything. Hennessy, Moet, Louis Vuitton. You know what I mean? They own yeah, everything. Yeah. You know? um, and, and and that's when I, I again, leaning and looking at my uh, my assets my essence was I was around a lot of other smart people that have done this before one way or another. Mm. You know, and a lot of us, as I'm talking, to, we're talking, to, you know, that's New York, of course, sirens going 100%. on. 100%. Um, as we're talking to a lot of people who are right now driving or doing whatever, your assets could be the people around you, too. Like, yo, 
let me be a little vulnerable. You know, when, when we don't, excuse me about the sirens though, when, no, when you, you don't have, when you don't have a lot, you tend to try to, try to go with your ego and you don't want to ask people for not help, but you don't want to say, Hey, I'm good at this. I think you're good at that. Can we do something together? You know, where can I be of value to you? When you're a little bit vulnerable, people want to rock with you. you Facts. And, and that's important. When you did, when you did that, did you just take the, the FUBU team and pretty much inject it into Kuji? Did you hire on people that were already working at Kuji? How'd that transition so work? It was totally, totally, totally done. Wrapped. So you just had to an take, got you all IP. Okay, got just you. IP. So you had to take FUBU people and kind of yeah. start doing the same thing. That, that's that why you said they look similar. Well, no, well, no, it's just that you know when you when you are bringing in other things into your working system, what you're trying to do is maximize the people you have already in there. So if food was declining, I could do a couple of things. I can let go staff according to the numbers, or I bring in two and three brands and say, all right, everybody got their job, but now we have to build on these two and three brands to bring in the same amount as we did with num- brand number one. You know, right. Right. Got you. All right. A lot a lot of people who are watching this right now know you from Shark Tank. Right. That's um, one of my favorite shows. I love it. Uh, I, I love like the, the the chemistry that you guys have there because it seems like everybody kind of plays a role. Um, I see you as kind of like poker face, um, really direct and blunt. But yet at the same time, you're kind of like benevolent in a way. Like is 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 any is is that all like you and everybody's real personality? Is it kind of like. Just the way, you know, like, like for TV a little bit. No, there's no TV about it. I mean, you know, we're sitting in those chairs um, eight hours a day um, for around two weeks at, in, in, in one month. And then the same thing another two weeks. The pitch you see, the pitches you see are one hour long um, and there's 16 cameras shooting. So that's 16 hours of footage for you to wow. see eight minutes. There's mm. not enough acting you could do in the world <laughs> to do that. There, there's no, there's no retakes. Yeah. There's no nothing. The only thing we retake sometimes, and it's not a retake, is at the end of the day, we do general. I'm out. I'm in. I'm out because I may have said I was out, and five people were talking, and the mic didn't pick me up accurately, so they mm. cut to me going, "I'm out." But it's the same thing that I said before. I just. Said I'm out. Got you. That's got it. you. So so as an investor, who who is your team? Like, because like, for example, you're doing these deals on Shark Tank. Right. And you're analyzing these people like at face value, what they're telling you right there on the spot. But once you take these deals back and, and just even off and on Shark Tank. Right. Who, who, do you have a team that does due diligence for you? or Are you doing that yourself? Do you have like underwriters to where you turn to them and you say, hey, crunch these numbers, look at this business, do this yeah. research. Tell me how that works. Yeah, you immediately go back. So I I, I give you a, so we're going to see an average of 140, 150 people um, around and 40,000 people applied. The Sharks are going to see 150 people. 95 people make the air. The rest will be, they won't make the air. Um, so the show, we have to look for the people who are trying to exploit the platform who have no plans on closing a deal. So immediately once I, uh, you know, do a deal, I give them some paperwork for them to take to the attorneys or whatever, and says something to the nature of, if we do not close this deal, uh, you will not be able to shop this deal for another year after airing. And what that does is that, first of all, if you have a plan on closing a deal, you've got a problem with that. Right, but if you do say, "Man, you know, I'm I'm about to get on Shark Tank, get a free commercial," <laughs> well, you might, but you know that you can't say anything to anybody for a year, right? And right. that creates some kind of challenge. And if you decide not to sign that, then I pretty much know that you don't have no intention, and you're, and what you're doing is you're taking that opportunity away from somebody that really probably needed the money that should have been on the show. Yeah, yeah. So immediately, I send that over to producer. Say, I don't think this person has has any kind of, you know. Um, whatever. So that happens. Then we send over to our team, to a venture capital kind of person. Uh, all We say, go through all the documents. They have a big questionnaire. You go through all that. You you hand in all your stuff. Is this really a trademark? Is this really, you know, do you really own this? You know, he does a criminal check on you. does all kinds of checks on you because maybe you have a, maybe you have a million dollar lien from the IRS. I'm not going to ask you that on TV. <laughs> right. Uh, or you're not going to. Announce it on TV. Exactly. Right. And then it can take us up to 
up to almost sometimes up to eight months to close a deal. Got you. When you look at a business, are you looking more at numbers? Or are you looking at people? People. Always. I mean, you're not even going to get an offer if I don't like you. <laughs> it's, just, it's just reality. Have you ever had someone wrong where you looked at them, you thought they were the kind of people that that you would want to do business with, and then you later on you found out many, that that wasn't the case? Many times. But I've learned that the already going into it, you don't like them, almost never works. <laughs> right? So if you like them, if you like them, you got a 50-50 chance. Right. And they may not like me. Right. right. Or... Remember, you can only have so many people on the show. I may not like your husband or yeah. your wife. Yeah. I may find out somebody else is pulling the strings behind the scenes. And I thought I was talking to you. Right. You know, you ever, you ever hear that? Well, can I go in the hallway and call my partner? Well, All the, the time. Well, then why are you here then? You can't make the decision. <laughs> That's well, a fact. It, it, every time I got to have a conversation, you was like, yeah, where are your partner? Where are this person? I don't want to have a conversation with nine people. Yeah. Yeah. You know? what, what are the characteristics that you're looking for? You said people. So what are those things that those intangible things that people have to have for you to, for o- you to- open to learn um, problem solving? Uh, know that it can be figured out. Knows that money is uh, a tool and the money can highlight your weaknesses. Everything that can't be answered with money. You know, great communicator. Does your homework, does homework. You know, um, all those things. And when I say that they're open to learning, they don't have to learn from me. Right. I mean, my most successful companies generally, I'll have conversation here and there. I'll give them 10 things to do. They may do one or two. But then they talk to three other people. And they come up with what works best for them, mm. you know, and they move and they execute on it. Do you ever watch watch the show and assess yourself? No. Never? No. Is because, there a reason why? Well, first of all, I don't like looking at myself. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like hearing myself. I don't like looking at myself. I'm the same. So yeah, I, most I got people, you. Most people I, I don't are, like, right? It's cringy. Very um, cringy. And again... I'm just being myself on this. It's hard to assess myself. Right. But I mean, it's like you could look, if you, if you did watch it, you could say, man, you know what? Maybe they, they, I should have taken that deal. Or maybe, you know, because you're kind of like watching it almost like a game time type of Monday no, morning quarterback watched, type I'm of thing. I'm only watching an edit. True. And I'm watching eight minutes of a, a one hour. So, so I'll give you an example. If I watch myself and I'd be like, D, that dude, man, he's got everything in his on you know on the line in his life this is the biggest moment in his life and you gave him 10 seconds to give you an answer you're you're an asshole (laughs) right right now the damon who was there would be like i was offering the asshole two hundred thousand dollars for 20 minutes and he was not paying attention to me and he was looking at everybody else and you didn't get to see the 19 other minutes when I was like, yo, I got 200,000. What's up? 200,000. Hello, over here. 200,000. Why are you? Okay, you can kiss Mark's ass later. 200,000. Yeah. Yo, you know what? I got 10 seconds for you to be. Give me a goddamn answer. So it's hard to. You know, yeah. to analyze myself, knowing because it's different. I, I got you. I yeah. totally get. Do you do you like doing deals by yourself more than doing stuff with other people? I hate doing deals with other times. <laughs> hate it. Why? Well, so no. Don't get me wrong. So again, knowing your assets, I know what I know, and I know if the company has really good founders and they just need money, and it's a return on capital. No need to do it with anybody else. If it's in fashion, if it's in consumer products, celebrity, something, whatever the case is, I got this. So in that aspect, my asset is I'm very connected. I, 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 can, I can do this. What's a liability? I'm not good at technology as well as Mark Cuban, who created, who was a tech genius. Robert Hershevec, who is the, one of the top 10 cyber crime experts in the world. Uh Lori can make products better than me in some senses, and she understands women buying habits, right? So I'll bring them in and realize that my asset is here, but my liability, I may not know that. So that's when I'm a, I'm a bottom feeder. I'm a catfish. Mm. I suck their blood, 
right? <laughs> so I know something's two hundred thousand, and I know that the money doesn't really mean a thing. But if they're in, if they're fearing that I'm going to ratchet this up to three hundred, I'm debating over it, I'm fighting over it, I'm ratcheting it up, and I may potentially take it from them. They really like it, right? And if I can get them to the breaking point, they'll be like, "All right, damn, you want to do something together?" I'd be like, "All right, no problem, <laughs> I do it together." And then I just sit at home and let them do all the work. <laughs> So, so that tension is real. Like that's oh, real no, tension, hundred percent real. Because <laughs> I mean, you got. Are you, are you got? You have any brothers or sisters? Siblings? I do. I do. How many, how many brothers? So I have uh, two older brothers and one sister. Okay. You love them, I I assume. Sometimes. Okay. Good. Good answer. <laughs> if you were on national television fighting with them, you all had money. You were fighting with them, and 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 you're looking at somebody, and first of all, you liked it. You like it, right? Second of all. You want them to pick you because you think for sure you're definitely better than your brother or sister and you don't want to get embarrassed on national television. Right. That's a real conversation. That's a fact. You love I'll see you at Thanksgiving dinner, but right now, I'm gonna get in your ass. <laughs> nah, I mean, I mean, that's that's definitely real, and I see that. But so, you know, as a viewer, I'm like, is this? You know, are they just messing around to make it fun and good for the audience? It's still fun, though. Yeah, we should, yeah. We, some don't know, but we get in heated debates, and it's okay, right? Yeah, and we get it. The next pitch after that, we don't carry it over to the next pitch. I've only been upset probably once or twice during the whole, and probably all the Sharks have been upset once or twice that we took it over to the next pitch uh-huh. because we just got very passionate about something. Do you Why were you upset? Do you remember that particular pitch? I may, I may not have been upset per se, but salty. let's say they have been, there's one that came on named Scully, um, young, young brother, and... Um, and sometimes being naive is also good in business, and I'll explain why. He had a uh, he has an app that helps kids get um, uh, scholarships and find scholarships. He had already got a million point two, I believe, in scholarships himself by understanding. So now you got proof of concept. Somebody who's already done it, right? right? The app wasn't necessarily up to speed where it was, but we like him, and he's an absolute amazing founder. Lori and I invest in it. Mark and Robert. Uh, and Kevin all call it snake oil or say there's not enough information. And this is because, of course, they're tech guys. They're asking questions of stuff I wouldn't know. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and they're like, you know, whatever. They, they're they looking at it as charity, I guess, because he's African-American or because whatever. But isn't that the purpose of the show? People coming on who may not have everything in place and they want a shark. Yeah. And so as we we had a healthy debate. Um, and no, I was not. I have turned down a lot of pe- people in the show who may look like me because uh, for various reasons. Maybe it wasn't good, wasn't a great business at the time or something else like that. So you don't see every time there's a person of color come on the show, I go, here you go. Here's the money. <laughs> right. right. I wouldn't be doing us any. I would not be doing that would not be fair for us as a, as a as people of color. If I just invested in everything to come on the show because. Because you're black. Right. Right. And then what Cuban going to invest in everybody because they're white. <laughs> uh, Barbara, every because they're a woman. Yeah. So so we just had a healthy debate. Uh, Robert walked off because he just was tired of, you know, chatting with us. You know, it's kind of one of those things where he probably felt he knew so much about it. Like, you idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And guess what? The dude goes on to do phenomenal. Really? Right. So wow. the sh- they were wrong. And have I been wrong? Absolutely. I've been wrong plenty of times. Mm. I think every time a brother does come on the show, they, they want to do a deal with you, though. They might. They might or might not. <laughs> they like, they like oh, I want David. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. deep down, because, I mean, it's just, you know, we, you, we you family. Wanted, you do want to do business with people <laughs> yeah, yeah. you look like, but, yeah. but sometimes that, that doesn't necessarily happen because a lot of people go on the show and they're like, they're deep into sports. They want Cuban. Yeah, you know? that's true. You know, or they're, they're super technical geeks. They want Robert. They can have a a real, you know, they can granular conversation about the technology. Right. Or right. they want Barbara for it. So, it, 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 you know what? I guess that's what makes a show work. No doubt. At this point in your life, what's what's the most important things to you, man? Uh, health. Um, you know, trying to give a lot of, like, like doing this with you, right? Trying to give as many people as I can the knowledge to go out and be able to, you know, feed their families. Because... Unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of people trying to sell you a shortcut. They're not trying to tell you to hustle. They're saying they're trying to sell you a pill. A lot of people out there do not want to educate themselves. They 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 take what somebody else tells them. 
And there's a lot of con men and con women out there that will take advantage of good people. Um, and I think that this is unfortunate. This is very unfortunate that I'm probably the only African-American man on or, or woman on television on a business show that have nothing to do with sports or music or politics. And there's many, many people like us behind the scenes that other people need to see. Our kids don't need to grow up and nothing wrong with athletes and nothing wrong with musicians and nothing wrong with politicians, right? All those are careers that you can make a lot of money and change a lot of lives if you do it the right way. But our kids need to see regular people who got left back, who's dyslexic, who didn't come from money, who didn't go to college, make it and go, why can't I do the same as Damon? Right? Yeah. So I think that um, people of all colors need to see that. And we're at the day and age where you just pull up, you know, you pull up social media. Everybody's super sexy. <laughs> got mad money. They all Facts. skinny. <laughs> you know, they all in Greece. <laughs> chilling. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So you, you, you get this, you get this inferior, inferior complex by just turning on your phone. And I just think that my job is to show people that, no, you don't need all that, man. You can, you can do it. That's a fact. How, how do we change that? Because, I mean, you, you know, you've done that. You do network television and you're behind the scenes with a lot of things like when those decisions are being made as to what's going to be put out there on TV and everything. How do we get, you know, more influence to where we can have shows that are more educational and not just talking about LeBron shooting or, you know, you know, just just a little bit deeper. You know what you're, what you're talking Make about? More Damon's. You know, make more of you. I like that. That's that's what you're doing now. Yeah. You don't wait for somebody else to put that show out. You put that out right now on YouTube, right yeah. now on your podcast. And yeah, you know what? 85, 90% of the world will be people who will be followers or they will not want to do it themselves or they'll blame the whole world against them. And that's fine. But if you just make one, two, three more, five more, 10 people, you know, you know, it'll it'll change, but that's that's the only thing we can do. Other than that, I gotta get to my day job, which is taking care of my health and my family, and the people that I love. You know, right? So how how far? If if I was to ask you some advice for truck and hustle, I have this podcast, I have a audience that I've established. How far do I take this until I go and somebody buys me out or puts me on their platform, or do I just keep on going independently to where I could continue to control the narrative fully? No, you keep you keep going independently, but you entertain all conversations. You don't know what conversation will come, mm. but you don't slow down hoping that, you know, the prince is going to pull up in a, you know, on a white horse <laughs> and save you. You keep moving. And the, and the reason is, you know, you you're supposed to keep moving with it because you truly love it. If there's a day that you want to hand it off for whatever reason or sell it, then that's up to you. That's a personal decision. Something yeah. may happen in your life where you're like. I'm on to bigger and better or greater things or something may happen in your life. Where you're like, I don't want to work that hard. Whatever it is. I mean, but when you get that exit potentially, or you entertain more of that stuff, um, it's a very personal reason you're doing it. Got you. How, how much of that kid from Queens is still left in you? I don't know. I mean, I would think everything. I mean, I, I was in Queens up until 29, I was 29 years old. So if you really think about it, it was only uh, 24 years ago, um, and I still have mass a massive amount of friends that came up with me. You know, my my one of my partners has known me. You know, 49 years, so I'm 53. Yeah. So and my other partner has known me about you know about 40 42 years. So. You know, I'm still that guy, you know, and listen, you know, when you get a, sometimes if I, you know, I'm feeling myself, you know, <laughs> you, you know, not that this happened to me, but if it did happen, you know, I got my man, but oh, you're feeling yourself. Yeah? Yo, you remember that time you shit on yourself? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you wasn't feeling yourself then, right? You know what I'm saying? You know? So yeah. you keep a good amount of people who are going to tell you, tell you exactly what it is that you can trust that you love. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've, and I've cut a lot of people out of my life too. Do you still have that the, the fire, the determination, the grit that you feel like you had when 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 you were coming up building building Fubu? You know, recently it has come back. Why? Um, it comes back about every seven years. <laughs> In sevens, huh? Why is yeah, that? And I think I think I remember somebody did say to me one time, "You change every people change every seven years." That's interesting. Uh, and now that I, and, and I'm only reflecting on it now, talking to you, I don't know why. Just every seven years. So what brought it back this time? 
Did an event happen? Well, I think I think we all we all got to sit home for two COVID years and reflect on facts. what 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 we what we want to do. But we also, if you really think about it, we lost a lot of people. And we realized how how much more delicate life we already thought life was delicate. But man, I mean, after you know losing so many people, whether yeah. personally or even every time you turn on the TV, it's like. DMX and the Fat Boys and you know and 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 this dude the Humpty Dance dude <laughs> yeah and, yeah and this actor over here and then, wait crazy. what happens in the subway in New York City wait a minute look at this going over here in Ukraine I mean look I mean you know you just turn around and you got you got you like man why am I still alive it makes well, you I realize take, I better make the most of this your own mortality man yeah for sure you, you know that's 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 for sure so. What 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 is what is next? What's on the horizon for you? I mean, you've accomplished so much. You've been an inspiration to so many people, including myself. What are what what more can you accomplish? You know what I think? I think I'm working more now on. I think what you just said, bringing the narrative to to America of more more um, production and shows that highlight the American dream of entrepreneurship that people need to know. That uh, will empower people. You know? So I could pitch Chuck and Hustle to you, potentially? Yeah, you can, yeah sure. We can make something happen? You can pitch Chuck. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> does, does America need to know what's the what's the drive behind, uh, you know, how we're getting our goods and, you know, the fact that today's economy is uh, we need it today, we need it now. And there's uh, it's the largest employment of uh, males in the country and and. That somehow, if you don't own it the right way, you could be potentially it's the only thing that you're almost still damn near getting minimum wage if you're not owning it the right way and in charge your own your own destiny. I think you just pitched trucking also to me. Yeah. Because you're right. <laughs> that's 100%. that that's a fact. Well, listen, man, I, I, I know you you're short on time and you have things to do, and I'm gonna respect that. I I appreciate this so, so much. Before we go, it's customary. We have to give our final thought to the audience. That yeah. could be something entrepreneurial, something spiritual, just off the cuff, whatever you want. And then we usually say, let people know where they can connect with you, but I'm sure everybody knows, but you could also let people know where they can connect with you as well. So there's a floor, final thought, and then let the people know where they can find you. You know, if I would say something entrepreneurial, just understand your business you're in. But, you know, when people want to invest, there's so many different forms of investing. And people always ask me what's hot. The only thing that's hot is really what you are passionate about, what you love, right? Um, so whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's sports card trading, whether it's passive income. I got a shout out my man Al with passive income trucking. That's a fact. Uh, whether it's real estate or whether it is, you know, doodads. It's something you're absolutely, NFTs, it's something you've got to be absolutely obsessed about. And when the most important aspect of an investment is not the cash, it's the time you spend educating yourself on the investment. And a lot of people feel they need to deploy money right away. But if you like passive income and you like trucking, well, then you listen to this podcast every day. You then follow people that are online or social media talking about trucking and talking about those type of things. Because the same way that all you nasty truckers are looking at all these girls online and stuff like that, <laughs> or, or just joking, but I'm serious. But uh, the same way you're strolling through whatever, man, cooking shows, workout stuff, luxury cars. Start doing that about the things you like. And if you don't want to go into it yourself and personally build things, well, understand the market. The market right now is about 60% off. Um, and if you, if I told you a brand new Mercedes was 60% off, wouldn't you buy two? That's so if you have some money, you know, when you're looking into the market, well, then you don't have to deal with Shark Tank type of companies where somebody's complaining to you all the time and ask you to help. You invest in Apple, you know Apple ain't going nowhere because I'm pr- trust me, anybody listening right now, they may look down, they got an Apple watch on. Right? <laughs> right. You invest in Apple, they're not going to call you to ask you how to fix a watch. Yeah. Right? You leave it there for 10, 20, 30 years. You will not believe what Apple or maybe Facebook or any of the ones you love, though. You have to like it. Yeah. You may be a woman, you may be like, I want to invest in Sephora. Something that you understand what's going on. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff out there. Don't spend your money, spend your time investing in it and then you spend your money when you get comfortable that's that's a fact i love that i got a question have you ever googled your net worth i have i've heard i'm 300 million i've heard 350 i've heard 100 and then several areas people are like you know um damon the billionaire (laughs) and i'm like billionaire What's wrong with these people? Don't I don't know what people are looking at. What is, I'm not a I am not 
I am not a billionaire. Yeah. And if I was if I was if I was six hundred short or nine hundred short, I'm I. You know what I mean? But definitely I. I'm not definitely. a billionaire. I, I always wonder if you know people who have amassed a certain amount of wealth Google the network work and laugh or they cry or they what do they do when they see those numbers because they're all over the place it's just stupid that's the problem anybody can say anything they want it's just stupid it is it really really is is, man it really is uh david john thank you so much for joining me today this has been awesome um i'm honored and privileged thank you so much hustle fam if you don't respect that your whole perspective is whack you know what we do around this time if you smell something burning it's only your desire myself And the people's shot is out. Later. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.